Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Josh. I'm Jimmy. And Josh. This is Paradox. Oh, it is Paradox. And I want you to know that I I feel your pain. I'm not feeling it today. You're not feeling it? See, but I feel you're not feeling it. I'm business today. I feel your just business. Just back to back, just boom, 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 boom. I feel get your things back done, to get things back done, business. get things done. So I'm, I'm not messing around today. You're not? Nope. So we're just going to get to it? Just going to just do it. Today we're talking about empathy. Empathy. Being empathic. An empathic. Hmm? Isn't that like someone that reads your mind? <laughs> You're an empathic. Is that? Imp- I don't think so. But it's some sort of pathic. But today we're talking about... Homeopathic. Homeopathic. What does the root pathic mean? I don't know. So we're talking about empathy, and, and in a way, if you'll remember back to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or the original, which was Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I never even saw the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Johnny Depp? There. Johnny Depp did all of those stupid things. Uh, I think he really likes wearing makeup. And so he does all of those roles where he has a lot of makeup. But anyway, uh, you know, it was how are we going to get into this magical place? Well, you had to have a Willy Wonka's a, a golden ticket to get in. And when we're talking about relationships, yeah, sort of primarily marriage, but also parental, also just work relationships. Willy Wonka's golden ticket in those relationships, and especially when it comes to conflict, is drumroll, please. Empathy. Empathic. Empathicness. Yeah, I was dealing with it a couple of the other week. I don't know when it was, but it was recently, enough to remember. And the wife was yelling at the husband because he was always at work, and the husband was yelling at the wife because she's always so critical. And it's like, they're getting nowhere. If they stay on that line, their marriage, and the work that they quote-unquote say they want to do is getting nowhere. So often when a couple comes in, the work they want to do is the other person admitting that they're wrong and you're right. Yes. They desperately want their spouse to be empathic towards them, but they ain't reaching across the aisle and putting themselves in their spouse's shoes enough to see that that husband, by being at work all the time, was creating an environment, making it super easy for the wife to be critical. And that wife being critical was making uh, creating an environment to make it super easy for the husband to want to be at work. And if they only were to practice what we're talking about today, empathy, they could start to bridge that gap. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, as we talked about Sue Johnson's book, Hold Me Tight, you know, the, the demon dialogues of find the bad guy. Empathy is, is difficult. If, if empathy was easy, everyone could do it and you and I would be out of jobs. Empathy, as important as it is in how it really does unlock the magical doors of conflict resolution and understanding. It's very difficult to do. Weissman defined empathy as taking another person's perspective, okay? Being able to see things through their eyes. 
And it's also being able... At the end, we're actually going to have you practice empathy live on the air. Oh, good. Excellent. I'm going to give you a situation where you're going to have to practice it. Oh, I will slap that down. Well, so, but there's I think you're going to struggle with some it. other person's perspective. Me being able to say, okay, I understand that that's for you, that's true. And so being able to appreciate some other person's perspective being true for them, being able to stay out of judgment, just recognizing it for what it is, but without judging it, and then validating someone else's emotions, how they're feeling. And validation is not agreement. It's just, I get how you could get there. And then also being able to communicate to that other person what their emotions are. And it takes, as someone that can do this sometimes in marriage, it takes a complete emptying of oneself Mm. to achieve this. And when you have a righteous indignation about you, it's really difficult to do. Well, it's just when... In times where this is really difficult, like it just everything inside of you is swelling to not practice empathy. Everything is just swelling inside of you. You wanting to do everything but this, and it takes this emptying because this you're right. Big breath and this. Okay, I get what you're saying. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole. And they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh uh-huh. No, you want a sandwich? Um, Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time, because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. (laughs) John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Empathy drives connection, while sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, and we'll talk a little bit later about how, you know, to to be able to feel what someone else is feeling requires you to dig down inside of yourself to, you know, when did I feel that way? How have I felt that way? How can I connect with you in this way? And so empathy drives connection, where sympathy really drives disconnection. And we've all heard someone say, you know, when they get mad about something that we've done or whatever, and our response is, well, okay, I'm sorry, you feel that way. That is the the the, the but it ain't on me. And so that that's that's the essence of sympathy. Sympathy is 
you know, you've got what you've got going on over there and kind of that sucks for you, but maybe you caused it, you know, you took it the wrong way. So that's how sympathy can, can drive disconnection. As we mentioned earlier, you know, part of this problem is that a lack of empathy also drives this idea of that demon dialogue of find the bad guy. You did this, therefore you're the bad guy. And the other person saying, well, gosh, you're accusing me falsely. And so since you're falsely accusing me, you're the bad guy. And so it's just this dance around and around and around of who's bad, who's more bad. So that's another issue, one of the problems with the lack of empathy. Yeah, well, and any issue we could think of, it, it ends in just stalling the relationship. Yeah. It ends in stonewalling and this just block. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that empathy is this golden ticket. It's, it's just this energy, empathy does, it's, it's this energy that produces movement. I was trying to think of a better way to put it. But if the opposite of empathy stalls the relationship, well, then empathy create is the energy behind just movement in your relationship. Sort of like uh, it's a relational um, laxative. Empathy is a relational laxative. Mm-hmm. Or enema. It drives movement is what you're saying. Empathic laxative. Mm-hmm. It's what it is. I think we've come to an agreement. Um, and we I can... think we're fairly cutting edge when it comes to uh, empathy research and study. See, I didn't, I, again, I'm all business today and oh. I didn't want to laugh at anything, but that and made yet. me come close. And yet, to actually truly mm-hmm. finding that just a little poop. So, a lack of empathy also leads to a wagging of the finger, which is just judgment. You know, coming at someone with your finger wagging, it leads to resentment. I resent how you're always blaming me, blah, blah, blah. It leads to this fallacy of being right. You know, I'm not being empathetic. I'm not going to try to feel what you're feeling because what you're feeling is wrong because I am right. And I'm telling you, and this is just my personal opinion and and based on experience, that the vast majority of conflict, be it in a marriage, be it at your job, be it, uh, you know, with children, all of it in essence and in some way, that conflict is exacerbated by a lack of empathy. Can I get an amen? No, you got amen. Okay. No, you, I just got nothing else for you. Oh, okay. Then we'll Are just we move. at solutions? Yeah, we're straight to solutions. Uh, let me go here. Okay, roll with it. Just riff. Oh, I'm riffing. Ten years ago when I got married, I couldn't feel things. And as a way of trying to get more in touch with even my professors when I was going through graduate and postgraduate work, they would observe that you're great at cognitive empathy, Josh. Like you can sit there and say to your client, man, that must be hard. But there's no feeling behind it. They were like, you were great at cognitive empathy, but you don't have heartfelt empathy. And that's because I couldn't feel. So part 10 years ago, part of me when I was trying to learn to feel one and two, trying to learn to be empathic towards Katie, I had to sit with and give space to emotions. Which sucks. Which sucks, which I think a lot of guys, one, struggle with because we've never been taught how to be emotional. But two, I think a lot of women struggle with it as well. And they just create busyness and try to distract themselves Mm -hmm. from possible emotions that might be too difficult Mm -hmm. to deal with. And so we have to give space, one, we have to give space to emotions, and two, one other thing that helped me connect the empathy dots is if I wasn't feeling a certain way about a situation that I thought that I should regarding Katie, I would separate myself and actually in my mind's eye cognitively play out the situation and place me as the person receiving the negativity. So if I couldn't necessarily... empathy, by the way. 
Is that exactly? Mm -hmm. it, but it's giving space for it. Yeah. And so if I was thinking Katie was crazy for something, I would actually set my separate myself going in a different room and cognitively play it out as if I was Katie. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if I couldn't even do that and connect those dots, I would I would place I would view my kids in that situation, which I think a lot of a lot of times it that helps connect the dots for men is is placing their children in the situation. Yes. That receiving the the kind of pain point relationally. And that then jogged it for me like, oh, well, that is terrible. Mm -hmm. And let me go back and place myself there. Ooh, and I would feel those emotions. Mm -hmm. And now let me actually, as the last point, place Katie there. Mm -hmm. And boom, it was like a light switch. Mm -hmm. And it finally started to connect for me. But I had to start with just giving it space. Mm -hmm. Brene Brown, you know, who's done a lot of, of work in this area, she's in the in the video clip that you heard, you know, she says, you know, oh, you know, I'm down here and I'm in a hole and it's dark and I'm overwhelmed. She's trying to, you know, give these examples of how you can be empathetic, that I'm feeling what you're feeling and I want to hug you down here in this hole and be one with what you're feeling. If, you, you know, if someone says, you know, hey, it's dark and I'm overwhelmed and you're the reason I feel this way. It's really a little more difficult to, to be empathetic. Marital conflict, especially marital conflict, makes empathy more difficult because the feeling that you're having to feel is homicidal anger toward yourself from somebody else. And so it does make, and we're not saying it's easy, it's very, very difficult. Again, if, if, if empathy was easy, we wouldn't have jobs. So it is, it's very difficult to get past the adrenaline-fueled, really harsh emotions that are coming your way when you're perceived as the reason for this conflict and this separation and this lack of connection. It certainly does make it more difficult. But empathy requires me just like, and you just laid it out. When have I felt that way? Or when could I ever feel this way? What would be a scenario by which I could feel the same thing? So empathy is very akin to validation. Again, you're not agreeing with the way the other person's feeling, especially if you're in conflict with them because you, you don't see what they're seeing. But validation is, that's okay. You know, I don't have to agree with you to say, I get where you're coming from. And that's what empathy is, is I get where you're coming from. Another just real quick thing in the solution is don't pull the God card, you know, when you're in a conflict. And she, she talked about, you know, in the, in the thing, don't silver lining it. Don't try to fix it. I remember when my mom died, you know, if one more person would have said, God causes all things to work together, I would have just slugged them. And it's not that it's not true, but sometimes that's not what a person needs. And I had a very... Like um, God gave me authority over you? Things like that. Woman? Yes. It's not that it's not true, mm. but... <laughs> oh, excuse me. I thought Beth had left. <laughs> but yeah, so you don't want to do that, and you you don't want to just try to make it better. And guys do that. Your wife is upset, and what do we do? We want to solve the problem. And I cannot tell you how many men, their wives are upset, and they'll just say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. That's all they've got is you're wrong in how you're feeling. So the solution is stop feeling that way. Guys, so many guys' minds, and, and again, it's been, it's been purported, you know, that the reason that women tend to be better with emotions and empathy is that they do carry human beings inside their bodies. So they do have a little more innate connection in that, and their brains are wired differently, and, and so forth. Uh, so you don't try to make it better. You don't try to just quote a Bible verse. You have to try to, because connection is the issue. Solving the problem isn't the issue. Whatever the content of the argument is, is not the issue. The regaining connection is the issue. 
and defending your actions, pointing out how she is factually incorrect, is not going to connect you. Connect you. And with your children. So often we come at them with such righteous indignation, like we never lied to our parents. We never did something wrong. We never snuck out. We didn't. And parents' heads explode like they've never even conceived of that. And sometimes our kids look at us like, what? You know, I see you. I see you bending the truth all the time. I see you not giving the whole truth all the time. So this being a lot of times in our discipline with our kids, if we just go, wow, because I can't tell you how many kids will be in my office and they'll tell me how much weed they smoke. And I'm just going, well, okay, you know, probably a bad choice, but I get it. If I was you, I'd probably be doing the same thing. It's not that that when we do something wrong, it's just so crazy that someone would would do something like that because it's not crazy. It's almost like we think that the more disdain we show for something, the more they're liable to get it. Yes. But the opposite is true. The more disdain we show, the more they're going to dig in their heels. And even if they get it, not show that they get it. Yeah. But it's only when we practice empathy. It's only when we come across the aisle and say, I get it. You know, of course you're going to want to... soften. If all your buddies are experimenting with alcohol and you're at a party and you thought there was going to be parents there and there was not all the truth that was given and, and up your kid drank alcohol. Well, as opposed to our heads exploding, it's like, I get it. You know, I was exactly where you were 150 years ago. Uh, yeah, I I understand why you did it. A really poor choice, Moonshine. and I know you want to to you know be buddies with your friends and not be singled out from your. I get that, and see now and the, the consequences are going to be all the yes, same. By the way, it doesn't remove the empathy. Doesn't remove the consequences either. So empathy, even with your children, can go a long way at work. Being able to say, well, hey, if I was in charge of this. Maybe I would feel the same way about what went on, but I'm not in charge. That stupid idiot manager's in charge. But even empathy there can help mollify our responses, that we are not omnipotent, we are not omniscient. We could be mistaken. Someone else can have another point of view, and it be just as valid as our point of view. Just because we think something or have an opinion doesn't make make it automatically right. But you mentioned it early on that empathy is is the height of humility because it, it it forces us to say we're not always right and we are wrong a lot and it's this marital superpower that even back to the original example if 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 the husband was just to empathize with the wife and say you know what i am at work a lot man would that go a long way in in removing and decreasing that criticism and vice versa. Man, I am, the wife, man, I am critical a ton. That would go a long way in the husband wanting to be at if work. If I come at my husband like a spider monkey the moment he walks in the door, then that makes him want to walk in the door less. Yep. So I mean, it's it's both sides. We keep talking about how men naturally have less empathy, but it goes both ways. And again, one of the things that drains empathy out of someone is anger. Uh, you know, again, it's easier to be empathetic with someone who is sad or brokenhearted, but someone who is angry... The angry person feels absolutely justified in the way they're feeling, and the person who's the object of the anger feels absolutely justified in their defense of their position. So I think showing empathy to someone who's lost a loved one is a heck of a lot easier than to show empathy for someone who is purple in the face and accusing you of everything but the assassination of JFK. And so many couples walk into our office wanting the other person, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it, empathy, empathy, empathy. But but 
if he does it first, then I'll do it. But let's get to how he's wrong. And the answer, the question, age-old question of who should start the empathy discussion is you. It's you. Whoever's listening to this podcast, the answer is you. You should start it. You should show some spiritual maturity and you start the empathy discussion. It tends to be the one that is the most spiritually mature will the one that will seek reconciliation. And reconciliation, I believe the first step, and by the way, we have been, I don't know, and this is just a radical idea, but we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. And that's not just a lost world reconciled to God. That is reconciling your spouse back into close connection and fellowship with you. You've been called, we've been called to be peacemakers. That's what we're called to do. And so, yeah, I think the one that's the most spiritually mature will always be the one that says, okay, I've got to set down my pride. And the very first time Jesus was ever asked what it means to follow him in Luke 9, he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself. And humility requires a denial of self. Empathy requires a denial of self. So again, which is why you, if you, if you just keep going back to marital conflict, it's a spiritual issue. All right. Here's your, we're wrapping up. Here's oh, your yes. practicing empathy. Got it. Go. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. You're to empathize with Got it. the city of Austin in their homeless ordinance. I would say that... <laughs> Remember, we're just two weeks off the heel of, uh, or on the heel of uh, not turning everything political. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind, too. But if, 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 if God could rain down <laughs> fire You're empathizing. and brimstone, because I want their destruction to be very quick. The city of Austin? All city councilmen and the mayor. <laughs> not, I don't want them to suffer, because it's not like I want to, I don't want to have, get leprosy or anything. If they could just be struck, maybe taken up in a chariot of fire Ooh. and removed. Like um, Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Who, who was it? Was it Ishmael? No, it was Elijah. Oh, and then Ishmael came right after Elijah. Eli, it's Elijah, and then it was... Elisha. Elihu, or something like that, or... Elisha. Elisha. Elijah. So Ishmael did not come Ishmael. Did you ever listen in Sunday school, ever? I just actually spent 90 days in the Old Testament. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm tooting it now. Hmm. And I couldn't remember that. You know, if you are if you have to toot your own horn, your horn The minor prophets tooting. get so boring. Destruction, destruction, minors. destruction. Get it, get it, get, get it. Got it, got it, got it. And I really felt like I needed to connect with it more than I did, but I didn't. Anyway, you haven't done it. You've wished their destruction. Empathize with the city of Austin. I know that they would want to to have their end be very quick and painless. No, and so empathize in that way, with the city. I'm empathizing. And their homeless ordinance. Go. They're trying to help. How? By giving these human beings who have innate dignity and worth, giving them a place to stay. Hmm. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That was actually really good. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. And now I wish for their destruction. <laughs> because. <laughs> Do you see that uh, UT came out? Yes. Don't camp on us. Oh, and I, I love don't camp on the campus because it would be, a, you know, a safety and a health risk. So what about ever all of us that are not on campus? Is it not a health? Okay, I wish them all the best. You totally understand where they're coming from. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, speaking of that very thing. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. Even somebody who is pro-abortion, the vast majority of people who are pro-abortion it's a, it's a kindness in them. In their mind, that is a kind thing. All of these people who are pro-abortion are not just Satan-worshipping, vengeful, hateful baby murderers. Uh, that's what they're doing. But in their mind, 
it is a good thing. It's a it's the right thing to do. You saw it in the voice of this person that was so exasperated. There were these pro-life demonstrators, and he started yelling at them, shame on you. In his mind, he was so right and compassionate and good in his view of abortion that anyone who is anti-abortion should be shamed. So yeah, you, we, we can do it really with anybody. Anything. Yeah. If you want more information about this episode or anything previously that we have released, go to paradoxpodcast.com. We are ending on empathy. We're going to take about a month off and then re-release in the best of October. Greatest hits. Are we? Yeah. Oh, over the, over the month? Of, no, we're not going to do that. Oh, okay. We no, didn't do not. that last time. Oh, we didn't. No. Oh. We're going to take about a month off, and um, then we're going to release in October some new episodes. If you want to follow us on our socials, uh, you can find it there at our website as well, paradoxpodcast.com. We appreciate you guys for listening. See, you wouldn't want to be it. That's very rude. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com.